Awesome. You guys can take a seat. All right. The Holy Spirit's up to something tonight. Um, you know, there's times I prepare my sermons, and I kind of just say exactly what the Scripture says. If you notice, I just kind of like take it. Here's one verse for one point. But this week, the Lord inspired me a little bit to, it's inspired by the passage, it or lines up with the scripture, but I just felt like it was really fresh, you know, I felt like it was a fresh word from God, I wasn't repeating anything that I've heard, so I'm excited to share with you guys, and, and uh, so the last few weeks, we've been in this series called, or called Who We Are, and to be honest, it's probably been my favorite series I've ever preached, just as we've taken time to talk about what we want to be as a ministry, so we, five weeks five core values, just saying this is what we want to be about. And the first week we talked about how God calls us to be followers first. And that just really like that, or that concept of, of putting him above everything else, just, it just sits in my heart so heavy because I think in our culture today, people are trying to have Jesus and then whatever else they want to do. They're trying to take Jesus and then just kind of fit him into their lives. And I just refuse to be that ministry. I think God's calling us to be a people who says, whatever the Word of God says, that's what we're going to do. Whatever the Word of God says to believe, that's what we're going to believe. We're not going to take what culture tells us. We're not going to take Jesus and fit him into our political philosophy or, or fit him in or, or to the 21st century philosophy, but, but, or, but we're going to take the Word of God and say, whatever it says is what we're going to do. Whatever it says is what, or, or is what we're going to believe. So that first message was about being followers first. And then the second week, we talked about how God calls us to be in this together. God calls us to be a community of people who can truly know one another, like truly know the good stuff and the bad stuff, but at the same time, we can say we love one another. And you don't see that often in our culture. A lot of times, you know, we got to perform for people. we got to put on a show, uh, got to put up our best self, and we want to be good people and, and, and present ourselves well, but, but at the same time, we need people who can see our mess, can see our junk, and they can still say that I love you in the midst of that. So that was the second week. And then last week, we talked about how God calls us to be a people on mission. And we kind of just ended this sermon by talking about this verse in 2 Corinthians where it says that you're ambassadors of Christ. An ambassador just means to, or to represent someone. So, so we're called to go out to this campus and represent Jesus. And we're called to give every student an opportunity to respond to the gospel and to become a follower of Jesus. So those are the first three things. And now tonight, we're on our fourth value. If you want to throw it up on the screen, it's this. We expect God to move. We expect God to move. We are hungry for an encounter with God. We believe in the supernatural and that Jesus is alive and moving today. We are full of faith and expectation that God is going to move in our midst every single week. I don't want to just do religion. I don't want to just come here and tell a cute Bible story, sing a cool song, and then go home. I want to encounter the presence of God. God's called us to be a group who expects him to show up. Because if God doesn't show up in this place, there's no point in doing this. This is supposed to be about him. If he's not here, then this is pointless. If I'm just putting on a show, preaching a sermon, if they're just putting on a good concert for you guys, then there's no point. God calls us to be a people who expect him to move and to be a people who are hungry for his presence. We believe that the things in the Bible can come to life today. We believe just as Jesus healed people and as Jesus turned the world upside down that, that each of us can go and turn our campus upside down. 
We believe that. We expect God to move. So one thing I love about retreats and big events that we have in Chi Alpha is there's always this build-up to it. Okay, like fall retreat, if you were around the first few weeks, there's this build-up. We try to get people to come up here and tell testimonies so you'll go because we know it'll be good if you go. And there's all this expectation. There's, there's all this hype for these events. And then, or then naturally, these events are always incredible because the anticipation is huge. We're expecting God to move, and then God honors our faith, and he shows up in a huge way. You know, I can remember my sophomore year, I rode to fall retreat with Rachel McClellan, who was singing right here, with my wife, and then with Elizabeth Campbell. If you know her, she graduated last year. Yeah, or she left an incredible legacy. But anyways, rode down to fall retreat with them, and I can remember in the car, we were just like talking about how God is going to just do something incredible. We were just worshiping Jesus. We were getting pumped up. You know, Rachel had never heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or, or she hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we were talking about how God's going to do that for you. It's going to be incredible. Then we get to the retreat, and, and Rachel gets filled with the Holy Spirit, like, right away. Then Emily and Elizabeth get fresh revelation from God, and then I get to pray for someone who gets healed. The first time I've ever seen that happen, as, or, or as someone who could not move his fingers separately for life could do this all of a sudden. That was incredible. It was an incredible weekend, but, but I don't think it's because we went off to some farm field in central Iowa. I don't think it's because it was on the weekend. I think it was because we had this expectation that God was going to show up. But I think oftentimes, you know, Sunday morning church, I'm bad about this because I'm not a morning person. You know, we're not expecting anything to happen at, or at church on Sunday mornings. You know, we're just going to go in, we're going to sing some songs because we're supposed to, and the pastor's going to preach, it might be a cute message, and then we'll go home. Well, we're going to have, go have lunch first, and then we'll go home and watch football. Or on Tuesday nights, you know, this is just an obligation for you maybe. Maybe something you're supposed to do during the week. You feel like you should go to a campus ministry, but you're really thinking about homework and thinking about what you have to do afterwards. That's often how we view our weekly activities. But I want to be a people who expect that God is going to show up each and every week. Like I want when Monday gets around like for us to be getting pumped because Jesus is going to show up in this place. And we saw that tonight as the Lord spoke through Mackenzie and the Lord uh, spoke through Josh. <clears throat> so tonight... God's invitation for us is to believe that he can move powerfully in our midst on a weekly, daily, and hourly basis. I believe that God can move in the, or in the mundane moments of life. We believe that we can meet with God in a huge way in the, or just in the early morning hours as we read our Bible in our dorm room. We believe we can meet with the maker of the universe in our dorm room. We believe that God can show up in our small group and revival can happen. As people start to give their hearts to Jesus, maybe they get filled, are filled with the Holy Spirit. We believe that on Tuesday nights that the worship can be incredible and that the presence of God can come and inhabit this place. We are not in this for religion or to pat ourselves on the back and say, wow, we did our religious activities this week. But we want to encounter the presence of God. That's who God is calling us to be. So, if you've never encountered God or you grew up in a church where you just like never felt his presence, I pray that tonight that you would encounter his presence. I pray that you would realize that Jesus is not just some historical figure that, that we read about and try to be like, but Jesus is alive and moving today. I pray that you would understand that, that you can meet with God, that God can show up in this place, that God can transform our campus. So many people say the college campus, oh, that's where all the partying, all the evil stuff happens. You know, that's what the older generation thinks. But I believe that God can move through our campus and we can bring Jesus to our world through the college campus. I believe that. 
I believe that with all my heart. I believe that something supernatural can happen at you and I in Cedar Falls, some campus in the middle of cornfields. I believe that God can move here. I believe that God wants to do something in Cedar Falls, Iowa. I believe that with all my heart. So tonight we're going to read a story in Matthew 13 about what not to do when it comes to this. Okay, Matthew 13, verses 53 through 58. These are some people who missed it. Okay, they didn't have the faith. They didn't believe that God was going to move. They totally missed it. So let's read it and let's pray that, or let's pray that we wouldn't be or be like these people. Okay, verse 53. I'll let you turn there. I'm hearing the pages turning. That's good. I love it. So verse 53. And when Jesus had finished these parables, parables, he went away from there. And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their, or in their synagogue so that they were astonished. And they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? They're saying, you know, this dude's from our hometown. What is going on here? This guy is incredible. Verse 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his, or is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas, those little rascals, are those not his brothers? And are not all of his sisters here with us? <clears throat> Where then did this man get all these things? Verse 57. And they took offense at him. So at first they were astonished. It's interesting. They're astonished. They think this is cool. And then they start to think about it. They're like, wait a minute. This is Jesus from Nazareth. This is Jesus, the baby who grew, or the kid who grew up in our town. And then they grew offended at him. Why are they offended at him? It's so weird. They thought, wow, God could never do something through someone from Nazareth. And it says this, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and in his own household. Verse 58, And he did not do, do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So let's get this straight. The king of the universe, God in heaven, couldn't do mighty works there because of their unbelief. And we wonder why the church is so dead in America today. I'm just saying. We wonder why we don't experience the presence of God in our churches. Our unbelief can strangle the power of God. I pray tonight that God would just unleash faith in this place, that God would unleash belief that he can move on our campus, that he can move in our lives, that he can change the crappiest situations that God could transform people who seem to be so far from him. I pray that, or that we wouldn't just take the teachings of Jesus and try to apply them to our lives, but I pray that, or that each of us would live out the power of Jesus in our culture and on our campus. So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for tonight. We pray that this message would cut to the heart. God, we pray that just for each of us, Lord, we all struggle with this, just having hardness of heart sometimes. You know, maybe we're busy right now. And we're thinking about other things, but God, I pray that your presence would be here right now and that we would be able to forget about everything that's going on outside of this room. Just for this hour, Lord, I pray, I pray that somehow we'd be able just to focus on what you have to say. And I pray that, that this just wouldn't be a teaching, but, but that we would truly encounter your presence right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to convict people of things in their heart. I pray that you would show people how, or just how loved they are God, I pray that you would show up in this place right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the main idea tonight is this. In order to witness a powerful move of God on our campus, we must be a people who are full of faith 
in expectation that God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. We must be a people who are full of faith and expectation that God can do more than we could ever ask for or imagine. Now, Matthew 13 gives us a picture of what not to do when trying to usher in the power of God. It shows us that if we want God to have his way in our lives and on our campus, then we can't be closed off to Jesus. We can't be skeptical. We can't, ex- or we can't ex- um, or accept the lie that God doesn't move today or move through ordinary people like me and you. But Ephesians 3.20 gives us a different picture. If we want to throw that up there. It, or it gives us a glimpse of the heart that each of us should have if we want to see God move today. And I use some of his wording for my main idea. So here it is. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. So Paul's saying, or he's saying, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So if you're a Christian, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he says, according to that power, God is able to do immeasurably more than what you could ever ask or imagine. So think about your biggest limits. Think about things that you think you could never do. God says you can through his power. Like maybe you think, I could never share my faith with my friend. But God says, I can use you to be a mighty man or woman of God who leads many people to me. You know, maybe you say, I could never pray for someone to be healed. But God says, I can do it. Because, because this is saying it's, it's immeasurably more. So it's way more than what you could ever ask or imagine. So try to have your wildest dreams. Think of something crazy. You can't even think of something as powerful as what God could do. See, there's no limits with him. God is that powerful. He can do immeasurably more than what you could ever ask for or imagine. We don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a dormant God. But we serve a God who is limitless. He's powerful. He's alive. He's moving today, and he resides in our hearts for those of us who follow Jesus. So we need to learn from the Nazarene's mistakes and be a people who are full of faith and and full of expectation. And I really think that, that there are three things that we need to embrace if we are to be this people who sees God move in our midst each and every day. So there's three things. The, the first thing is this. We believe that what happened in the scriptures can happen today. As the people of God, we should view the scriptures as our guide for life. We should read the stories of Jesus and his followers and seek to be like them in our daily lives. Specifically, God has given us the book of Acts. Maybe you've never read it, but the book of Acts is right after the four Gospels. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Then there's Acts. And this is a powerful story. It's the story of the disciples of Jesus and how they took on his message after Jesus had, or had left earth. So these men and women go and they turn the world upside down. They're healing people. They're powerful men and women of God. The Holy Spirit's filling them. They're doing incredible things. I feel like the book of Acts is a blueprint for what our lives should look like because they were the first disciples. They were the ones who actually lived with Jesus and that should be a model for us for how we are to live our lives. So read the book of Acts if you haven't. And it's gonna be fun because just right after this sermon series, we're gonna have a series in the book of Acts all the way through the end of this, or through the end of the semester. So the book of Acts is a blueprint for for our lives. The disciples go throughout the world. They preach the gospel. They lead people to Jesus. They start new churches. They heal people. They perform miracles. God is calling us to that kind of life. That's not a boring life. Christianity is not boring. 
Christianity is not boring. This is incredible what God calls us to do. We can do it. It says that if we have the Holy Spirit, then we can do these things. We can be just like Jesus. We can do greater things than what Jesus did. That's incredible. Think about that. But this story in Matthew 13 is incredible to me because these people from Nazareth were devout Jews. They knew their scriptures. They knew the Old Testament. So for them, the Old Testament was their scriptures. It's called the Hebrew Bible. They knew these scriptures. They knew that God had promised to send a king who would save them. They knew that God would send a Messiah. So they should have known that Jesus was coming. You know, this verse in Isaiah 7, 14, was written about 700 years before Jesus came. It says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So they knew that a savior king would be born to a virgin. Or 700 years before this time, this was written, and this was a part of their scriptures, and, and they knew <clears throat> that God was going to send a Savior through a virgin. But when God began to do this through Jesus, they absolutely missed it. They missed the whole point of the Old Testament, the scriptures that they loved, or the Hebrew Bible, or they loved these scriptures, and they missed it through the person of Jesus. They missed it. Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He was standing right in front of them. He grew up around them. And they missed it. They knew their scriptures, but they missed it. In Matthew 1, Matthew points to, to Jesus as the fulfillment of this verse in Isaiah 7, 14. In verse 22, 23, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So, or so Matthew recognized that, that this was Jesus who was the fulfillment of that verse. And a virgin from Nazareth this woman named Mary gives birth to Jesus. And, and the people of Nazareth would have no doubt heard about this. They would have heard that, whoa, this woman wasn't married and she got pregnant. And she would have told them, hey, God made me pregnant. You know, I'm a virgin. It's a fulfillment of this verse. Because, because or the angel Gabriel told Joseph that, that this was a fulfillment of this verse. And she would have told them, no, no, no. Or I didn't or sleep with anyone before I got married. This is God doing this. This is what God promised. But they missed it. They missed it. They didn't believe Mary. They probably thought she was just getting around or something. They probably thought that she was lying or trying to make an excuse. Okay, so, which is a natural thing. If someone says, I'm a virgin, but I'm pregnant, that might be kind of weird. I mean, it's hard to grasp that. But then 30 years later, this man is turning the world upside down. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. People are repenting of their sins. He is doing incredible things. And they were even astonished at his teaching, but they still missed it even though he was proving himself to be who Mary said he was going to be. They missed it. They missed what their scriptures were pointing to. I pray that we wouldn't make the same mistake that the Nazarenes made. I pray that, or that we would read our scriptures, specifically the book of Acts and the Gospels, and we would see it as a blueprint for what God wants to do today. I pray that when we see the disciples preaching the gospel, starting churches, healing people, performing miracles and leading people to Jesus, that each of us would look at this and say, I want to be like the disciples. The same spirit who lives inside of them lives inside of me. God can use me to do those same things. I pray that we would read these scriptures and say, this can happen today. I pray we wouldn't miss the point like the Nazarenes did. We must refuse to make this mistake and to just settle for religion, but not the power of God. We got to refuse to make the same the same mistake as the Nazarenes. we got to have a heart of expectation that if God did it then, then he can sure do it again. If God was alive and moving then, 
And he is alive and moving today. In fact, when we read about Jesus' or Jesus' miracles, we should view them as our starting point or as our launching pad because in John 14, 12, this is what Jesus said. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you that, or that whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. As the people of God, we should view Jesus' miracles as our starting point because Jesus said you can do greater things than what I did because you have the Holy Spirit. We have to view the scriptures as as something that can happen today. We can't just read this for Bible stories and, and cute children's church lessons, but not apply them in our day. We can't make the same mistake that the Nazarenes made. So as people who believe this, who who believe that, that what happened in the scriptures can happen today, I think we need to affirm at least two things. We need to believe two things with everything we have. So the first thing is this: no one is out of God's reach. The story of the scriptures is a story of of truly messed up men and women who God transforms. People who it seems like they would never be religious. They would never give their heart to Jesus. But God steps in and changes everything. You know, the disciples were uneducated fishermen. You know, Paul who wrote the majority of the books in the New Testament, before he became a Christian, he was killing Christians. He was persecuting them. People were scared of him. When he got saved, the disciples were scared to hang out with him because they thought he might be tricking them. But this man actually met Jesus and was transformed forever. So if we believe that that what happened then can happen now, then we got to believe that that there's no one who's out of God's reach. The second thing is this. The Holy Spirit moves supernaturally, and the spiritual gifts are active today. So maybe you don't know what the spiritual gifts are. These are just ways, I mean, actually, Mackenzie and Josh exercised spiritual gifts as they uh, spoke a word that they felt was from God. So there's a few different, I mean, there's quite a few different spiritual gifts you can read uh, or just Google it. Honestly, I don't have time to go through all of them tonight. But, but they're speaking in tongues, so God can give us other languages to speak. That's pretty crazy. Guys, I speak in tongues, okay? Isn't that crazy? It's really cool. Talk about it in a few weeks. Prophetic words, just like Mackenzie gave and, and Josh gave, you know, or we can perform miracles. We can heal people of their sicknesses through the Holy Spirit, obviously. The spiritual gifts are alive and active today. We believe that, that if the disciples use the spiritual gifts, then, then we can use the spiritual gifts. So not only did the Nazarenes commit the sin of, or missing the point of their scriptures, but they also allowed their experience to define the reality. Second point is this tonight. We refuse to allow our limited experiences to define our limitless God. You better get that. We refuse to allow our limited experiences to define our limitless God. You know, maybe when I said that about tongues, you're like, you're crazy, man. I've never heard of that before. Just because that's your experience doesn't mean it ain't true. It doesn't mean that God can't give you a prayer language, that God can't give you a tongue. You know, maybe you think, oh, prophetic words, I don't think God can actually speak to us today because I've never experienced that. No, your experience does not define truth. God's word defines truth. I don't want to be, to be strangled by my limited experiences because there's a lot farther for me to go in my relationship with God, and I don't want to just say, oh, I'm trapped in this. You know, whatever I've experienced so far, that's whatever I can experience in the future. No, we have to be a people who always believe that God has more, that God can do more than what he did yesterday. 
So the Nazarenes assumed that since Jesus was from their town, he couldn't be a man that, or that was the son of God. They assumed that the Messiah could not come through their town. They assumed that since God hadn't done anything extraordinary through the Nazarenes in the past, then they weren't going to do it now. For some reason, you know, we see this in the New Testament, the Jews did not have a very good view of Nazareth. So listen to this interaction from John 1, 45 through 46. It's interesting. For some reason, Nazarenes were screwed up, and I'm sure I could figure it out, but I didn't actually look it up. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him, so talking about Jesus, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. And maybe that was your town growing up. Like, people were like, can anything good come out of that town? Like, last year, I think I named a town, and people were offended. So I'm not going to do that. But, uh, <laughs> so Nathaniel and Philip actually both became two of the 12 disciples of Jesus. So thankfully, Nathaniel encountered Jesus' presence, and, and he allowed his heart to be softened, and, and he gave his heart to Jesus. But the Nazarenes weren't so lucky. They, or the Nazarenes, allowed their experiences to hinder what God could do in the present. They, they allowed their experiences to dictate their level of belief for the future. Then when Jesus, the living God, the Son of God, walks in their midst, they miss it because of their unbelief. In Matthew 13, 58, again, let's read this. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Their unbelief stopped the Son of God from being God. He couldn't do any mighty works there. I don't know about you, but I want to be like the Nazarenes. I don't want to be that kind of person. I want to always believe that God can do more. I want to believe that God is able, that he is powerful, that he is alive. I never want to get to this place where I feel like I've experienced all that God has for me. But I always want to be hungry for more. I want to be relentless in my belief that Jesus can do greater things in the future than what he did in the past. I don't want to allow my experiences to dictate my future. So North Dakota State University has a Chi Alpha, and it's one of our strongest Chi Alphas in the region. And they're led by an incredible pastor named Brad Lewis. And Pastor Brad Lewis has been in campus ministry for three decades. Okay, so this guy has been doing it for life. There's been hundreds of missionaries and pastors who have come out of his Chi Alpha. It's, it's truly an incredible story. But for much of his time as a leader in Chi Alpha, he only had about 60 to 100 students, which is great. Like, that's what we have. Or I could do this for life. I love you guys. But Brad only had 60 to, or 200 students. And, and he just kept being faithful. He kept, or just kept, uh, or just, or just ministering to the campus. And then there was a year when all of a sudden he got all these incredible men and women who came into his ministry. They're all like freshmen or sophomores. Um, you know, one of them was Pastor Drew, who's the state director of Chi Alpha in Iowa. He, or so he leads the Iowa State Chi Alpha. And his wife, Tanya, Kyle, and Tara Trozen, who are their um, associate pastors. Dave Leadall, who spoke at Fall Retreat, was in that group, and his twin brother, Nate. So all these people showed up at the same time, and they began to believe that God had more for their campus. And they began to get together, and they began to pray. They began to pray all night. They, they began to get to the church early in the morning and, and, and pray in tongues and just ask God to move on their campus. They began to believe that, that Brad's experience wasn't going to dictate their future, that although having 6,200 students for 20 years is incredible, they believe that God wanted to do more on their campus. And over the next year or two, the group grew from that 60 students to 800 students. 
about that. 800 students. That is all of Lang Auditorium. That is crazy. I can't even imagine that. So I guess, you know, Ephesians 3.20 applies to me. Like, God's saying I can do immeasurably more than all you could ask for or imagine. I can't even imagine having 800 students. But they believed that their experiences did not define their future. They prayed and they fasted and they stayed up late just agonizing over their campus. They, they got a heart for their lost friends and they just began to believe that God could do something in their day. And now many of them are pastors of different Kyle's around the region and actually um, around the country. One of them is in Alaska, starting campus ministry there. It's incredible. I believe that God, like, can I just say this to you guys? Like, not anything against the other Kyle's, but, but I believe that God wants, like, the next move that happened, you know, like that through North Dakota, God wants to do it here. And, and that's not to knock the other ones. Like, I think God's going to do it in many but there's something special about this campus. This was the first campus that, that had a Chi Alpha in our state. It was the one that they focused on at the beginning. I believe God wants to do that here. But it ain't going to happen through me preaching sermons or through having a good band. It's going to happen when you guys get really hungry, get really desperate for God to move. That's when it's going to happen. But, but guys, you've got to choose. Am I willing to count the cost? And am I willing to believe that God can do it? And I'm seeing it already. There's some of you that are just blowing me away. Actually, all of you are blowing me away. You're incredible. But, but I'm just seeing God change your hearts, or I'm seeing God give you a heart for our campus. I believe it's coming. I really do. Can we believe for that? You know, like all night prayer, to be honest, when I think about praying all night, I'm not super excited about it. Like I'd rather sleep. But I pray that that would be our largest attended event, as people get together and say, I'm going to believe that God wants to do something on our campus. And there's also going to be great worship and good coffee, so... Good reason to come. And you get to hang out with your friends. But I pray that, that you guys would count the cost and come to that and believe that God wants to do something in our campus. So as a ministry, we have to be a group who refuses to, to allow our limited experiences to define our limitless God and our limitless future in him. We need to believe that what God did in the scriptures, he can do today. That what God did at NDSU, he can do here at UNI. We need to believe that God could maybe even do more than what he did on that campus. We need to believe that God could truly send revival to our campus. The climate's perfect for it. Like, no one has hope in politicians anymore after this election. <laughs> Seriously. The climate is perfect. As we point to Jesus, we say, you know, we're not, guys, it's fine to vote for a party. I'm not trying to say that. But, or, but we're not Democrat or Republican, but, but we're just followers of Jesus, and we want to bring his hope to our campus, when people start to see a group like that, 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 that even though someone crazy is getting elected in a few months, you know, if you like one of them, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to offend you. Like, that's fine. That's just my opinion. Uh, or someone's going to get elected that, you know, that the majority of people don't like. When we can burst with hope in the midst of that and say, it doesn't matter what they do to us. It doesn't matter or how the world changes. We're still going to be founded on the word of God. We're still going to take this as our truth, and we're going to see God move on our campus. When people begin to see that, Something's going to happen. I'm telling you, the climate is perfect, but God is looking to and fro across this campus for students who are willing to count the cost. Are you willing to count the cost? Are you willing to believe that God can do something extraordinary in our day? The third thing is this tonight. We believe that every day is an opportunity to encounter the living God. As people of the word, as followers of Jesus, as people who have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we believe that every day is an opportunity to encounter the living God. 
We believe that God is with us. And since God is with us, since the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we can encounter him even in the most ordinary of circumstances. We can encounter God in a classroom on a Tuesday night. We set up this sound equipment. We just come in here like a bunch of ragtag group of people, but God shows up. We believe that that can happen. We believe that, that this room can, can explode, and it's been doing that this year. There's been nights where we have people out the door, and we believe that God can continue to do that, and God can, or can move on the other side of campus too when we go to Lang. We believe that God can move in our small groups, that our small groups can grow to large groups, and you have to start your own campus ministry. No, don't do that. Just split them. But uh, our small groups are going to grow so much. We believe that in one-on-one conversations, the Holy Spirit can be with us as we look at the scriptures and we ask God to speak to us. We believe that God can be a part of that. We believe that God can show up in our classrooms as we go to class. We can bring the presence of God with us. We believe that God can move in the most ordinary of circumstances. The Nazarenes failed to realize that God wanted to encounter them by becoming one of them. That God would come as a Nazarene himself and die on the cross for the sins of the world. They missed that. They missed that God likes to infiltrate the natural with the supernatural. That God likes to take ordinary people like me and you and do extraordinary things. They totally missed that. You know, Nathaniel thought that God could not possibly do something through someone from Nazareth. And he almost missed out on being a disciple of God. Getting to hang out with God for three years. He almost missed out on that because of his arrogance, to be honest. I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do here because we're stuck in the thinking that God could never do something great through us. I don't want to, guys, I don't want to miss out on what God wants to do on our campus because we believe the lies from Satan that our friends could never change. I want to be a people who are always believing for God to show up in everyday life. I love this story. I don't know if you will because you weren't there, but I'll try to explain it to you. It was an incredible, incredible time. For my sophomore year, you know, me and Matt McClellan uh, were, were leading worship together. It's a good thing I don't do that anymore. Um, but we had to have me because, like, no one could do it besides me and Matt. But anyways, we were leading worship together. And, uh, and we had practices in the dorms. So we would, like, crowd into a dancer in Jeff Hinton's room. We'd have, like, two acoustics, a bunch of people sitting in the bunk beds, and we'd all just try to practice. And uh, there's one night, and I'll never forget it. We played this brand-new song called I Surrender by Hillsong Worship. It's not brand new anymore. Um, great song, though. Played I Surrender, and it was the first time we played it, and I was singing it, so you know it couldn't be me because I'm not that good. So the presence of God, like, it was crazy. We were playing it for the first time, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit showed up. I don't know if I've ever had a moment like that since where it was such an ordinary circumstance. And all of a sudden, it was like, God is in here with us. It was the most phenomenal thing. It's seriously one of the most phenomenal experiences I've ever had. In a dorm room, it was sweaty. It was in August, I'm pretty sure, or September. And we're all crowded in there. And then at the end of the song, you know, because it could have just been me, but at the end of the song, we all stopped and we just like looked at each other. We're like, what in the world just happened? Revival is about to break out in this dorm room. I'll never forget that moment. It showed me that it doesn't matter how good we can sing. It doesn't matter how good of a preacher I am. But God can show up in the most ordinary of circumstances through the most ordinary of people. And I believe God wants to start to do that on our campus, that God would begin to show up in our small groups in supernatural ways, that God would speak through you on our campus as you try to share Jesus with your friends. We don't need to go to a retreat or hear a great speaker to encounter God's heart. If we only have 
this heart of faith and this heart of expectation, we can encounter God powerfully on an hourly, on a daily, and on a weekly basis here at UNI. We can encounter him in the most ordinary of circumstances, but we have to believe that he can do it. We have to be open to what he has for us. We have to refuse to be distracted by all the things of the world because you're wanting to get distracted right about now. It's about midterms. I get it. I feel you. I was in school for four years. College, four years. School, before that. Anyways, I was in college. I get it. October, November, it's a tough time. People are starting to get sick. It's getting cold out. Tests are coming up. But guys, please refuse to miss out on what God is doing. Don't miss it because God is going to do something and and he's going to use you or he'll actually go use someone else if you're not just willing to be used by him. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Don't get so stuck in, in your daily rhythms that, that you miss out, that, that God wants to infiltrate your day. Don't miss that. In Matthew 13, 58, I'm going to read it again. Let us never commit this sin. I refuse to allow our group to commit this sin. If anything, we're going to be believers. Maybe it won't happen, but, or, but we're going to believe that God can do it. It says again, and he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Let that never be said about Kyle for you and I. Let that never be said about us. Let's be a group who's open to the work of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. Let's be a group who views every day as an opportunity to encounter him. Let's view every Tuesday night gathering as an opportunity to experience more of God's heart. The worship team would come up. We're going to close here in a few minutes. I could get Johnny G to, where did he go? Oh, there he is, to hit the lights or someone else. John's doing it. So the main idea tonight is this, and I want you to get this. That's why it's the main idea. Let's put it up there. (laughs) In order to witness a powerful move of God on our campus, we must be a people who are full of faith and expectation that God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. The reality is each of us have different backgrounds in church. We have different backgrounds and experiences with God. You know, some of you grew up in a church, and, and it was fine. It was a nice place, but but if you're honest, like you never really experienced God's presence in church. It was more just like, like a duty that you're supposed to do. Like, hey, family goes to church on Sunday. I go to whatever you have on Wednesday. You know, or I go through confirmation, whatever. But, but throughout that process, you never actually got to experience God's heart or God's presence. That's a lot of our story, I think. That's a lot of us in this room. There's, you know, there's others of us who you grew up in a church that's similar to Chi Alpha, and it was intense worship, people praying in tongues, prophesying. It was really cool, but, but all of a sudden, that began to substitute your actual relationship with God. You began to rely on these spiritual experiences for your fix every week for, for God, like, or like you didn't pursue him on your own. That's, that's a lot of our stories as well. You grew up in a church that's very open to the work of the Holy Spirit, but in the midst of that, or you actually missed the whole point, which is to have an intimate relationship with Jesus yourself. That's a lot of our story. And, and then there's others of us who you've never been in church. You know, maybe you've been in church a few times, or maybe this is like brand new to you. Maybe tonight you're like, what is this guy talking about? Like, like what in the world is tongues? Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, 
you're trying to figure out if you believe in Jesus. And tonight, my prayer for you, for those of you who have never like, experienced any of this, my prayer for you is that you would just be open to what God wants to do in your heart, that you would allow yourself to believe, that you would give God a chance. That's my prayer for you. We're all coming from different situations. But, but no matter where you are tonight, we all need to know that God wants to have an intimate, active, living relationship with each of us. He's not a distant God. Christianity does not describe a distant God. He's very intimate in the workings of his people. He cares about his children. He's not distant, and he cares deeply about you. That's the God of Christianity. He's intimately aware of your life. He's aware of your concerns. He's aware of your hopes, your biggest hopes, your biggest dreams. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wanted it so much that when each of us rebelled against him through our sin, God didn't just leave us there, but he sent his own son, Jesus, to come and live as a Nazarene and and to live a perfect life to get rejected. Look at that. The son of God getting rejected by people. There's one story of him getting pushed off a cliff almost because they're like, get out of here. God came and endured that. And then even worse, he, God came and died on the cross for our sins. He was brutally punished for each of our sins. He, he paid our debt so we could stand before God. And when God sees us, because Jesus has paid our debt, he just, he just sees Jesus. He doesn't see all your junk. He doesn't see all your sins, but he sees Jesus. This is the God we serve. A God who is alive, a God who is moving, a God who is aware of what's going on, a God who is not distant, a God who even in the midst of a dicey presidential election is aware of what's going on and he's still working things for his good. Think about that. God is working things for his good behind the scenes of all this stuff going on. And I believe one of the things he wants to do, I said this earlier, but one of the things he wants to do is to send revival because people cannot find hope in any place now, I feel like. I feel like everything they try to find hope in, God's just pulling it out from under them. And there's gonna come a time where all people can have is Jesus. That's their only hope. And I pray that each of us would, would be ready for that and, and each of us would believe that God could work through us and that God could send revival on our campus. So this whole, the whole point of this sermon is I just wanna dare you to believe that what happened in the scriptures can happen today. I want you to believe that God can use you, just an ordinary person, to do incredible things. And I want you to refuse to allow your experiences to define your future. Don't allow your experiences in church or whatever to define what God could do in the future. You guys stand with me. If we can get these truths, we will see God do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. If you want to throw that up there, Ephesians 3.20, we'll see him do this. It says again, let's just read this. Let's just, just allow this verse to seep in. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that, has, or that is at work within us. That's the God we serve. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. So if you're in this room tonight, and if you're honest with yourself, you either don't have a relationship with God, you've never put your faith in Jesus before, you've never accepted 
Jesus' payment for your sins, or you once had a relationship with God, but then you walked away and you're not actually living right with God, if that's you, tonight God just wants you to get right with him. So if that's you, would you just lift up your hand? There's no one looking around besides me. Is there anyone in this room? All right, and the second thing is this. Can we make a commitment to be a group who believes that God can move in our day? Can we be, be open to whatever God has for us? Can we just raise our hands to heaven? Just all of us across this room. I want everyone to do this. Unless you are not comfortable with it, that's fine. Just raise both hands to heaven right now. Both hands. I don't normally do this, but I believe tonight's a night to do this. God, we have our hands raised, and we just say, whatever you want to do, God, whoever you want us to be, God, whatever calling you want us to walk into, I believe that there are future pastors and preachers and missionaries in this room. God, I pray that you would call that out of them. I believe that there are future teachers in this room. There are future incredible moms and dads in this room. I pray that you would call that out of them. I believe that there are people in this room who, who you want to use, like you use Pastor Drew and Pastor Dave at NDSU. People who will stand in the gap for their peers and pray for, for a move of God in our day. I believe that they're sitting in this room. So God, I pray that you would call them into that glorious calling today. You are able, you are strong, you're powerful. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.